With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. This week's podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag, the fastest, easiest, and safest way to bet on all things sports. With March Madness, the Masters, and Major League Opening Day around the corner, betonline.ag has all the latest news, scores, and odds to help you win big. The best part? You'll receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Head to betonline.ag and use our promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your free money Plus, signing up is a great way to support this very podcast. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, when you sign up at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Hail cheers and welcome to the Always Cheating Fantasy Podcast. My name is Josh. I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? Josh, we try not to talk about VAR on this podcast, and I don't <laughs> intend to talk about it. VAR is a bit controversial during mm-hmm. Game Week 27. Instead of talking about VAR, though, I thought I could quickly open the podcast by talking about my FPL team. Okay. In ways that we might talk about VAR. So, for instance, okay. Josh, my FPL team, frankly, it's not working. I would mm-hmm. say, regarding my FPL team, not VAR, that I need to shelve it until I can show the fans that I've got it right. Most notably, my FPL team has failed to eliminate human error, and it's still <laughs> getting too many decisions wrong. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we're being honest here, Josh, my FPL team 
Frankly, it's a cynical move motivated by cash, and it's really just not good for the game. All it's really succeeding at is sucking the joy out of the stadiums. So you were in, in, in a okay. Now let's hear the conclusion, please. Please conclude. <laughs> so in conclusion, Josh, something needs to drastically change with my FPL team during this summer, or it's going to get worse next season. I can guarantee you. Wow, uh, that was that was beautiful. I, I, did you was that at the top of your head or was that was that? Written? I don't even want to know. Don't even tell me. So you were in a state yesterday, though. I mean, I I was trying to tiptoe around because you I could tell you would. I felt like you would you would hit some. You and I watched matches yesterday morning with our friend Danny Bean at the Black Horse, and uh, you. Yeah. You were in a, a place where I was like, okay, something like snapped here. And uh, <laughs> was it that you almost wild carded and didn't? I mean, what 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 sort of put you in a place where you were like, just kind of like you? you I, I I don't know. I mean, it wasn't like you were like running around yelling at anybody, but I could just tell you were you were a little on edge yesterday. And normally right. you roll with the punches a little bit better. <laughs> so what was yeah. what was going on? Yeah, there was something about the flavor of that Palace-Newcastle match that was really <laughs> sticking in my craw. Yeah. And I think, yeah, you can trace it to Lascelles and me bringing Jamal Lascelles into my team right around that time where a lot of people were advocating for wild cards. And we talked a lot about wild cards around this time on Always Cheating. Mm-hmm. And instead, I chose the passive route. And I think this weekend... I was overwhelmed with this feeling of I'm not acting on FPL. FPL is just happening to me. Mm-hmm. And I just really I'm feeling I'm feeling a lack of control at the moment. It's like it's it's like you inherited an old house or something and it's like the the roof is the roof is bad and you're like I'm just going to put some buckets down. You know, you start to see some some termites in the wall. You're like I'm just going to put another sheet of plaster, you know, on the wall. It's like you sort of it's like you're just kind of what you really need to do is buy a new house, right? And instead it's like you keep you keep trying to like repair the house. And and I will say as a manager, you're you're typically pretty good I think at house repair. You're pretty I feel like we do the transfers. You're not very emotional, you know. You're sort mm-hmm. of like, but yeah. So you know, in some ways, the Lascelles move was not a bad move. I don't think, but it was a band aid when maybe um, surgery was required. I guess I'm mixing yes. metaphors now, but <laughs> you know, I think so. So what happens now? What what next for Brandon Kelly? Yeah, uh, I think th- what happens now is I am. I feel like I say this every week. I'm 100 wild carding. Uh, the wild card is getting triggered the moment game week 28 is over. Okay. So I can't wild card now into game week 28 because of the Arsenal blank and the city blank. I definitely want to invest in at least a bombing. And I think we'll probably okay. talk a fair amount of, about Arsenal in the, in in the minutes to sure. come. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there are players that I want to invest in that just aren't going to make sense until we're leading up to game week 29. So I'm basically contacting my my bank to get that that um, that mortgage loan that I need heading into yeah. game week 29 to buy that new house. Yeah. So Brendan, yeah, as you've noted, game week 28 is going to be tricky. Game week 29 might be a good time to walk out. There might be a double game week that game week. And Brandon, we will be in the UK that game week as well. So wouldn't that be fun to have a wild card to tinker with on the plane instead of sleeping? Uh, yes. Way, way to London. yes. Yeah. I, yeah. It's, it's either me working on my wild card, not sleeping or watching, I don't know, 
Ford versus Ferrari, which we were just talking about. Yeah, watch that for a second time. So, yeah, I think, uh, but, you know, Gaming 28 is is in front of us, and it's, it's a really interesting one. Uh, you know, there are four teams that aren't playing uh, in Gaming 28 because of the League Cup final. Uh, that's uh, Aston Villa, Man City, uh, Arsenal, and Sheffield United. And so that definitely creates some tricky dilemmas uh, for some managers. So we're going to talk about that on this week's podcast. Uh, the theme of this week's podcast is true or false, Brandon. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, if you can stick with me there, true or false, I'm going to ask a bunch of different questions. Okay. Some about gaming mm-hmm. 28, some about form versus fixture, some about how many points you can make up in a mini league with 11 weeks left. And we are going to answer those questions as to whether or not they are true. We will assert whether or not those questions are true or false. So I think that's going to be a fun theme. I'm already kind of looking forward to that. Uh, so just before we do, you know, I don't know if we need to do a big score check here because. You know, we neither of us have massive. No one really has a massive score right now. I mean, if you have forty points or more, you've had an incredible game week. Uh, I'm on thirty-one, and I've got a red arrow. I mean, how often do you have thirty-one points with nine out of ten weeks, or nine out of ten matches played, and still have a red arrow? It's it's very unusual, very rare. Yeah, and I have eighteen points, so um, yeah. it's pretty dire for me. And it's it's one of those weeks where you realize how. Um, dependent you are on one specific team Mm -hmm. liverpool is it's all or nothing with my fpl squad the last month or so with liverpool the captain armband is always on a liverpool player it always comes down to whether trent can keep that clean sheet the only action i got was on my one transfer which i i got rid of lord lundstrom uh sad Mm -hmm. as it was to do so and brought in willie bali for wolves of course uh I brought in the one Wolves defender that somehow didn't get attacking points in that match, but I will not. <laughs> I will not dismiss that. I was really pleased to to uh, to have that transfer come through for me. But eighteen points, it's feeling pretty peaked going into the last match of the game week. Yeah, uh, you had you have Mane, which at least is a little bit of a a differential. You know, it's kind of interesting because um, you know uh, most managers listening to this podcast, the vast majority will have three Liverpool players going into tomorrow's match. And Mo Salah is like the given. Everyone's got him. But in Trent, pretty pretty highly owned as well. But that third Liverpool player is it's kind of a mix. You have uh, Firmino, you have Sadio Mane, you have Robertson. And, you know, some people have, um, uh, you know, Van Dijk or Gomez. You know, there's like a few, a few various people who are sort of filling that third slot a little bit. So this is kind of interesting because I think we could really see some um, – some big rises and falls based on just how that like how one particular player does it. Like in my case, I'm actually rooting for uh, Liverpool to concede. Uh, that mm-hmm. would actually help help my team because uh, I have Firmino up front uh, and I don't have two Liverpool defenders. And it feels like not having two of those, um, I'm actually just better off. It's like it's a net gain for me if they just concede uh, in yeah. that match. So it's um yeah, there's still like a ton to play for tomorrow. And so you know, I mentioned it last week in the podcast, and I, I think it really is true. It is kind of fun to captain a player in that last fixture because, it, like, you, you know, if you were on 18 in a normal game week with nine matches played, you'd be pretty down. But I think with with the biggest one to go and your captain still to play and three players left, it's like, well, who knows what's going to happen? You know, it feels like it's sort of, you know, it's it's all still up in the air. I mean, if Sadio Mane it's a, gets it's a, a cup final, yeah, the 10th it, match in the, in the match week, it becomes a cup final suddenly. If he gets a brace tomorrow, then suddenly – you know, that's, you know, 16 points. It probably, get, you know, gives you, a, you know, right error on the game week. So uh, definitely a, st- a ton still to play for. 
so Brandon, that's the score check. Uh, we're not going to do an always cheating Super League update because um, that final match is is, uh, is so big that um, I don't think it's really uh, worthwhile to to do an update. Uh, but just one quick reminder: uh, we have the always cheating listener meetup. We mentioned our London trip a couple of days ago. We'll be there uh, the fourth through the tenth. Uh, we'll be going to the Arsenal West Ham match, uh, the Manchester Derby, and the Leicester Aston Villa match. So. If you were going to any of those matches, please let us know. We'd love to try to meet some of you for drinks before or afterwards, um, especially before that Leicester match. I'm really excited about that Monday night match. But uh, even the, the Manchester Derby, we're going to get there a few hours early, and we're hoping to meet up with some listeners there as well. So uh, you know, reach out to us uh, via email. You can email us at hailcheaters at gmail.com, or you can just you know DM us on you know, Twitter, Facebook, um, you know the Slack for the Patreon uh, supporters, etc. And one more thing, uh, the Always Trading Listener Meetup is that Friday, March 6th uh, from 7 p.m. on. Uh, it's at a place called Coin Laundry, uh, which is in uh, 70 Exmouth Market in Clerkenwell, which I guess is in Northish London. I'm not really sure. I'm not going to pretend that I know. Yeah, and I love what you've been saying on the podcast too, Josh, about the uh, big meetup that Friday, March 6th at Coin Laundry. If you're just a listener of the pod and you've never interacted with us, you're not a Patreon supporter or a Twitter person, we don't care. We want to meet you anyway. And it's going to be a great group of FPL managers. And it's very casual. Do not be intimidated. That will be my transition to Patreon, Josh. Speaking of Patreon, <laughs> quick thank yep. yous to our new patrons at the Lord Sorloth tier, Reese Horn. And at the Pookie patron level, Gaddy Rappaport. If you want to support the Always Cheating podcast, me and Josh, what we do every week, visit patreon.com slash alwayscheating. Lots of information there on what you get in return, an extra podcast every week, extra leagues, our Slack chat forum, all sorts of good stuff. Again, patreon.com slash alwayscheating. Yep, and that extra podcast each week, we take uh, basically every question that we get from our Patreons, we answer on those podcasts. And Brandon, I even went against my my hard and fast rule of not uh, big-upping Man United players, and I did give a shout-out to Bruno Fernandez on the Patreon weekly podcast that went out a few days ago. So uh, I was glad that he rewarded me, sort of. Um, should have scored on a Martial assist in the first half. But uh, I thought he played well. We'll talk, we'll talk more about him uh, in a little bit. Let's take a quick break, and we'll get into our true or false section. All right, Brandon, we're back. This week's theme is true or false, answering some pressing fantasy questions and deciding whether or not they are true or false. And so each uh, true or false question is sort of was, was came from a listener question that they sent in, okay, which I've sort of reframed as a listener question. So I'll read out the true or false, and then I'll read off the listener question after that, okay? That sounds that perfect, Joshua. Okay. All right. Good. Yeah. I, we'll, I was with you every step of the way. We'll there. see how this works. All right. First time doing this. Uh, true or false, you can make up 100 points in a mini league with 11 game weeks left. All right. And that was inspired by Keith James' question. He says, just under 100 points off my mini league leader, what punts are worth looking at for the run-in? So, Brandon, can you make up 100 points in a mini league? Obviously, it depends a little bit on you know who's in first yeah, place. right. Things like that. Yeah. Instead of our favorite answer, which is it depends, uh, <laughs> in the spirit of true or false, I will say this is technically true. You can make up 100 points with 11 game weeks left. It's going to take uh, a fair amount of luck and a fair amount of strategizing on your part, Keith, but it can be done. Yep. Uh, and also, I, I guess if I were to say false, it can't be done, how fun would that be? That would be like no fun. <laughs> 
No, at that's least, true. Kind of even if question, even man. if the true answer is that it's false, you can't do it. I want to sit here and tell everyone listening you can do it because that's just going to be more fun to believe that we can. All right, Brandon. Well, now I have to let on that I I had a secret reason why I asked you before the podcast started if you'd seen Ford versus Ferrari because I was I was thinking about that movie when I thought about this question. And in Ford versus Ferrari, for anyone who's seen it, uh, you know they're sort of competing against this Ford. You know, assembly line cars are competing against Ferrari, right? They're just like you know, totally not ready to be on these like massive, you know, um, European racetracks. And uh, so, is this like they, MLS versus Serie A sort of a thing? <laughs> a little, sort of, maybe. Yeah. Uh, no, it, I don't know. There's, there's probably a better analogy, but I'll you know, okay. I don't know. This take like five minutes. Uh, so they finally designed this car and, uh, you know, it's got an incredible amount of speed behind it and it can get to, you know, over 7,000 RPMs, right? But if you hit 7,000 RPMs, there's a reasonable chance that the car will explode, right? Like, like literally explode. And it's sort of like, you know, do you want to do it or not? You know, like, do you want to do it? And that's, if you're a hundred points back in your mini league and you want to make that up, you have to be willing to let your car explode if things don't go <laughs> yeah. well. And I think I think deep down, most fantasy managers don't want that to happen. And I yeah. think that you can talk all you want about about differential captains and and you know trying to get low ownership players and bring them into your team. But I think at the when it gets down to it, it's very hard for people not to go with the most sensible, smartest picks every single time. And you know, I think that you know that could be just that it's it's the sensible pick because it's often the right one. Right. But, um, I think that if you are going to try to make up a ton of points, then you've got to be captaining a bombing like every week for the last 11 weeks. You've got to be, you know, you got to every, every time there's there, you don't do it ever. I mean, you can't just, you know, you can't go completely nuts, but you have to pick your spots and, and be really aggressive about it. Think about when you're going to use your chips. If you have any left, you know, don't play them the weeks everyone else is going to do it. You just have to zig when people are zagging. Cause if you just, go the way everyone else is going, then you're going to set yourself up for a, you know, you probably have a decent season, but you're not going to win. And if, yeah. if winning is what is important to you, then you're going to have to take more risk than you're comfortable with. That may be the, uh, the most perfect metaphor we've ever had on the always cheating podcast. <laughs> I, I love the exploding car metaphor. Um, yeah, I'm right now driving like the Fred Flintstone car with my feet, it feels like. So that's, that's where we are. All right, let's move on to our next true or false question. Okay. This one is form trumps fixtures. This was inspired by a couple of listener questions. First was from Kaya Christine, who asked, form versus fixture conundrum. I've held on to Madison and Vardy for their upcoming fixtures instead of getting in DCL and Fernandez. The pain. Looking ahead at the next four game weeks, what would you do? Keep holding on or accept the mistake and get the form player in ASAP. Also, FPL Prince wrote in and said, the old fixture versus form debate. Should we bring in players like Fernandez and DCL despite their tough run? So, Josh, I put the question to you. True or false? Form trumps fixtures. I don't know that there is a great answer to this question. It's sort of the the great question of fantasy sports, <laughs> I think, in general. Uh-huh. Um, it feels even more true in the Premier League or in, in, in fantasy, you know, 
soccer, as we call it over here. Um, you know, like that, like when a, when a play, I don't know why I like didn't want to, the word soccer didn't want to come out of my mouth for some reason there. Uh, but when a player, uh, like especially goal scorers, when they're in form, I mean, form is such a incredible thing. I mean, you don't really see it in like the NFL or whatever, you know, you don't like it's, it's this, this, you know, these players who get into these forms with, you know, Jamie Vardy, the first half of the season, I mean, just the incredible confidence that he played with. Um, and the way it drove him forward, I mean, he was, you could have captained him every week for 15 weeks, you know, starting on game week three or whatever. And it would have been, you know, you would have, you'd have massive overall rank right now. And, you know, so I think that most defenses are pretty bad in the Premier League, uh, outside of Liverpool and maybe Man City at times. Um, and so if we're, you know, especially, I feel like when people talk about form versus fixtures, they typically are talking about, um, attacking players or players who, you know, score goals and pick up assists. And so, um, I am like really firmly on the form Trump's fixtures side of things right now. Um, I guess the caveat here is that a good fixture can, can trigger a resurgence of form. Um, but I think I am, I have been guilty this season of holding on too long to players waiting for that good fixture to come. Often a Norwich fixture, interestingly yeah. enough. I, I need to quit waiting for Norwich fixtures to save me because it is not <laughs> it's not typically even working yeah. this season. Right. Well, that JB Vardy is the public enemy there, uh, with their fixture against Norwich coming up in game week 28. I guess we can wait until our game week 28 preview to get into what we think about Vardy's chances there. But I, I am in agreement with you in terms of form being what trumps fixtures. And I like that you pointed out we often talk about attacking players. Liverpool's defensive form is a great example of this, though, where we spent the first half of the season wondering where Liverpool's defensive form was. It wasn't manifesting itself in clean sheet points in FPL, even though maybe their players all looked really solid and particularly the fullbacks were producing attacking returns. But now you can see how real form is just by looking at the Liverpool defense and that they've lost only what one clean sheet in their last 14 matches or something, something like that. If you're, if you're um, counting European and cup matches as well. So um, I agree. And yeah, do not be discouraged if you feel like you've missed the boat on players like DCL or Bruno Fernandez, because, you know, they're, they're, if they are informed, their form should continue. And all right, so I'm going to put you to the test here then, Brandon. All right. So going into game week 28, if you had two free transfers, I'm going to to specifically answer the question that Kaya asked, would you with two free transfers, let's say all, the rest of your team was fine. I'll set up for game week 28. Would you move Madison and Vardy to Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Bruno Fernandez? Is that a move you would do? <laughs> No, it wouldn't. No. Yeah, that's no, an wouldn't. honest answer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, so Bruno I mean, Fernandez. I move Madison. A... I move Madison for almost anybody. I move Madison for yeah. cash. Like I just like I just feel <laughs> ten players. I'm, I'm he is yeah. he is so off, yeah. but that yeah. that's fair. I think okay, so you've got form, that's one thing. Fixtures mm-hmm. are another thing. The other issue is the team that this player actually plays on. And while Bruno Fernandes is in decent form as a new player in Manchester United. I'm I'm not convinced at all by Manchester United. And, you know, player form versus team form, I don't know if that's something that, you know, now we're moving into three and four dimensions. I'm 
I'm very concerned about Manchester United's upcoming fixtures and how they'll respond, uh, regardless of individual players' form. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, just, I guess, if there so both of us are saying true that form ultimately does trump fixtures. I think it's really, uh, it's obviously tricky. And, um, but I do, I, I guess, if I, I, want, I feel like I want to answer this question, you know, and I feel like the question, the, the answer that I'm, that I'm, that I've come up with in my head is that you, you are often, you know, I think a classic mistake that a manager in fantasy makes is holding on to an underperforming player for too long and waiting for a good fixture to save them when in seven times out of 10, you'd be better eight times out of 10. I don't know a lot. The majority of, of the, of the time you'd be better off just dropping them and moving to the form player. Is that, would you agree with that? Yeah, I think that's fair. All right. Good. Let's move on. Brandon, <laughs> I'm putting you to the spot. Next question. I moved it up in the running order. True or false man United has to be taken seriously in fantasy. Um, yeah, so I, I've kind of, kind of laid, laid out my cards there in the last question about how I do feel about Manchester United. And I, I don't feel great about them. If you look at their upcoming fixtures, you know, not <laughs> setting their form aside, Everton, City, Spurs, Sheffield United, Brighton, um, across the next five fixtures, you know, they, they've had, they've looked decent in flashes the, the last couple of weeks. But you know they they had they had trouble against Bruges. They played Bruges again midweek in the Europa League, and the the idea that Bruno Fernandez, as good as he looks, is just going to come in and turn this turn this Manchester United team fully around for in a consistent sort of a way, I'm not convinced. Okay. Yes. I guess I'm a little more convinced than you are. Um, I. I I don't know. I mean, I've watched uh, the full 90 minutes of their last two matches. It's funny because they've had to kind of work their way into these matches a little bit. Uh, I should say the last two Premier League matches. I did not watch the Europa League match, although I did see some highlights from it. And, you know, the Chelsea match was, they were kind of in the back foot for the first 30, 40 minutes. And then, I don't know. I mean, I guess that was like a VAR fest, the second half of that game. But um, the end result is that they won 2-0 away to... uh, Way to Man United, which is, or I mean, away to Chelsea, which is a pretty impressive result. And I thought today they were quite. I mean, De Gea looked as good as he's looked in ages. And um, I mean, they their their finishing is good. And I think I think that Fernandez is just he was just exactly what they needed. I mean, it's like he was. I mean, I'm not saying this team is is you know fantastic, amazing, going to win the title type team, but he was very much the missing piece to that team. They didn't have anybody like him, you know, they needed their like, so they're almost like Arsenal with Sandy Cazorla, you know, we're like Arsenal were kind of floundering post RVP and Sandy Cazorla. Maybe he wasn't, he kind of same age as Fernandez too, interestingly enough, but you know, he just, it wasn't like he was going to turn Arsenal into a champion, but he just knew how to play, you know, he just knew how to start the attack and, and get the ball to the forwards and, you know, create chances and they just didn't really have anybody like that. And so I think, um, I'm, I guess I'm a little more convinced and, you know, Marcial, I mean, I, I, it, I, you know, I held on to him just, you know, honestly, not even because of form fixtures, just because I had other issues to deal with. I mean, I'll be completely honest there. And, um, you know, and the end result is that, uh, you know, two goals and two goals in a row from him. And I feel like I've got a really tricky decision to make as to whether or not I, um, 
you know, is whether or not I keep him moving forward. I've got two transfers going into game week 28. Um, and there's a specific question here from Boston Prof. He says, who would you pick between Fernandez or Martial uh, now that the team seems to have a groove? So I'll, pu- mm-hmm. I'll put that to you, Brandon. Yeah, I think you go Bruno Fernandez here. What we saw in the Watford match that Fernandez is now on penalties and he took it with, I guess, the word we could use there is confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, Martial's going to be playing farther forward, but Fernandez, he's got that, you know, the dead ball arrow in his quiver. So he's yeah. taking set pieces and all that in Corners. addition to being very uh, integral to the attack. So. I think if you didn't have either now in your case having Martial, I think you'd kind of be crazy to jump from Martial to Bruno yeah. Fernandez. It's a waste of I a think transfer. if you had neither and you wanted a piece of Manchester United, then you would go Bruno Fernandez in that case. Yeah, I mean, so if you wild carded, you wouldn't you wouldn't consider Fernandez on a wild card. I mean, five percent ownership. Um, he looks really creative. He's picked up attacking turns in the last two matches. I mean, he wouldn't be. You, like you just you're still like a little i mean i guess i mean you just literally just said you were not convinced but um <laughs> but i just he would be interesting wild card option i would think yeah i mean, i i guess i'll admit i was a little dismissive uh in my true or false um answer to this question and maybe i'm just reading a little bit of reading it as a irl question what do i think about manchester united just generally right fantasy wise Yes, I, I guess now that they do have more of a now that they have more of a plan going forward, and if they look like they're going to be scoring goals, then there is much more fantasy appeal there. Uh, Even defensively, fine, you've gotten me to admit it. <laughs> uh, and defensively, I wouldn't want them for the next three for sure. Right? I mean, away to Everton, home to City, away to Spurs. Um, I don't see a lot of clean sheets there, but. Uh, their run-in is actually quite nice. Um, they, you know, it's like a lot of a lot of decent home fixtures. They play Sheffield United at home, Bournemouth at home, Southampton at home, West Ham at home, Palace away, Villa away during that stretch. So, uh, quite a nice run of of green to come. And so, Maguire has like almost almost fallen into a space where you could consider him. Right at five point two million, he's. Uh, that that is not a crazy amount of money. Like that would not no. it's, it's not break the bank money, and so he might be might be somebody to consider. I mean, Wamasaka actually looks a little better now too. Uh, he's actually putting in crosses, which I, the first half of the season, like he couldn't get the ball on off the ground on a cross. And last week, you know, he, he had the cross for um, for Martial last week, and um, had a couple of nice crosses in this match as well. So he might be an option too. Is only point one million more expensive. Uh, Luke Shaw, I just don't trust. And uh, Brandon Williams is too much of a rotation player to be considered. So I think it's between uh, McGuire and uh, Juan Basaka. Right. It's like somebody told Juan Basaka, it is okay for you to cross and shoot. This is something you can do. And then the switch kind of flips in his in his brain. So, it's yeah, just, I mean, it, yeah, sorry. It's, it's such a bizarre spot in the midfield, the Bruno Fernandez spot, which has totally been open up to conversation with Son uh, going out injured, Spurs having their issues, and then Pepe having a great game last week. And then Pepe, you know, talk about form or blip. Pepe definitely a blip in game week 26. Um, and so we're, we're kind of just left here with Bruno Fernandez. So a lot of pressure on him to earn that. Uh, 
It's like he's the only one in that <laughs> price tier in the midfield right now. So the only one who's Kenny fun. Yeah, I think Berg, yeah. Berg, Berg, uh, Berg, Bergwine, Bergwine. 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 Thank Wine. you. Uh, Bergwine, like I drink. think, is kind of interesting too. Um, yeah. Kind of fun, you know. I don't know. Yeah. Have a little, have a, try a little Bergwine, you know. <laughs> Just try it on. <laughs> see, if, see if it works. All right, uh-huh. next, next, next true or false question. Uh, I'm going to stay stay in Manchester for this next one. Uh, true or false, Brandon? There are no non KDB fantasy options worth owning on Manchester City. These questions are really leaning heavily toward true. I think, and <laughs> this is it's, is that so... like is that like one of those uh, multiple choice where anytime you see always or never. You know, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, all of the above or none of the above. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's weird. This is so weird that, and I was thinking about this in terms of um, just plotting my wild card in a couple of game weeks and City going having double game weeks on the horizon. We don't know exactly when yet, but they will come. So how are you going to play Manchester City in that scenario? And who's going to be your second, maybe your third Manchester City player? And I can't think of a single one shy of um, shy of Ederson, honestly, because a huge issue here. And it's like we haven't talked about Pep Guardiola's rotation in quite a while because we haven't really been interested in Manchester City attack recently, apart from Aguero. Um, so here we are, uh, KDB, he's rotation proof. He's really the only one in that squad putting consistent performances together. And Mahrez eked out an attacking return, but you know, he's lucky if he gets minutes. And I think, I think he looked pretty flaky in that Leicester city match. I don't know if it was just nerves playing at the King power, his old home or anything like that, but yeah. And then, and then to look back at the city defense, I mentioned Ederson, but you know, Laporte, being back when did Laporte become this talismanic towering Virgil van Dyke-esque central defender I really don't get it I want to don't want to be super negative through this whole podcast but it I find it bizarre and uh it doesn't make their defense even remotely more appealing because he's back from injury <laughs> yeah and the, well, the the problem with that defense is they're all getting rotated so heavily I mean I guess Kyle Walker is the one, although at five point seven million, like, ugh, like, and you're just not getting like very, like very many attack returns at all from from Walker, and so it makes him not very tempting. I mean, I, I guess the only like he's a little more tempting because I don't really know who rotates with Walker at this point. Like, who would who would back him up if he didn't play? Um, like, I don't even know. Cancelo would he play over there? Maybe I, I don't really know. It's a uh, he would, I guess, it'd be him, right? Uh, he was sort of brought in to to replace Walker, and it just like, hasn't worked out at all. So um, I don't know. Yeah. So there's really no, so there's no one in the defense. I mean, Ederson is six million, which is <laughs> crazy. And I mean, it's it's sort of my mind because there is a slight chance that we would see a um, a double game week in uh, game week twenty nine for Man City. There's a small possibility that that happens. I don't actually I don't know if it's small or not. It's like it's it's. Something that we should find out this week, um, whether or not in game week twenty nine there'll be a double double game week, and if so, you know you run through these options, and I mean maybe Sterling if he if he if he comes back, you know, I mean that would be um, crazy, Josh. 
Well, yeah, I mean, there's, there's just, I mean, it's 12 million. So yeah, it's like a, it'd be a massive fund. Yeah, like it's kind of like what you were yeah. saying about Ederson, literally times two. So uh, points, uh, six million times two to get 12 million to a player that's been injured and just insanely out of form. Yeah, and then you have Aguero and Jesus are going to rotate so much that if you bring them in for double game week, you're effectively just bringing them in for one fixture, you know, uh, or one one in a third or whatever. You know, they're only, you know, they're going to get what 110 minutes a piece or something like that. So you can't captain them. I mean, would you consider if there was a if there was a double game week 29 and it was uh, Man City played, it would be I guess Arsenal at home, and uh, who would their what would their other match be? The other match would be Man United away. So Manchester Derby, Arsenal at home. Um, I mean, surely you'd captain KDB for that double, but mm-hmm. would you consider, I mean, would you bring in anybody else? I mean, I think it's really, it's hard to say, right? Yeah, I I don't think I would. I mean, we're, we were just talking about that secondary premium midfield spot that Fernandez is contending for, or the Bergwines of the game. You have to allow room, obviously, for your Liverpool premium midfielder. So I just yeah. don't see where they fit in outside of Aguero. And we have one of the questions that it's inspired this true or false question is from Sparty, who asks, for people looking to offload Aguero, where would you turn? Both Vardy and Aubameyang have great fixtures, but Arsenal don't have a game this week and Vardy is out of form. What are your thoughts on Vardy and uh, and so on and so on and so, and so forth? The question here, though, is Sparty is looking to get rid of Aguero because it's a lot of money up front. There are so many options that Sparty started listing off there that we would want, especially for me looking to wildcard into game week 29. There are a lot of targets up front that I had my eye on from Jimenez and, and holding on to Ings, possibly uh, and a few other players. I don't really know if I have room for Aguero. I guess Aguero would be the only other person I would want it, want in on a wild card looking at a double game week for City. Yeah, I think uh, Aguero is the uh, the one I would consider too. I mean, maybe Jesus um, and just and just hope he got lucky, you know, um, because the you know, problem with bringing Aguero is he's twelve million, right? There's you are going to have to eliminate some players you don't want to get rid of to bring him in for a double, and um, I don't know. I mean. I'm not even sure that he's like a significantly better option than than Jesus at this point. Um, I don't know. It's it's just a it's a weird it's a weird season with this team and um, it truly I don't is. Know. Yeah, it truly is. I would probably you know Jesus would be tempting. It's some of it would depend. I mean, I, we're sort of like really like we're talking about game week 29. We've got another game week before that. I don't want to get too you know far far ahead here, but it would in some ways it would depend on what the rotation looked like going into that double. You know, if they um, who they played in the League Cup final. I think they have their their first leg of the Champions League is um, this week as well. So, you know, if, if someone's getting heavy, heavy minutes and really liable to be rotated, um, then like if, like if that's true of Aguero, let's say, then maybe Jesus becomes a little more tempting. Um, but yeah, it's really tricky. All right, Josh, true or false? Underlying stats are overrated. We got this question from FPL Charlie who asks, do we overrate underlying stats? Every available metric said Aguero was the far better choice over Aubameyang. If only for these uh, past two weeks, and it's backfired as badly as it could have for those people. 
So with that in mind, Josh, true or false, underlying stats, are they overrated? False. I False, but I don't know that we always use them the right way. Like, for example, Charlie here, um, he's, you know, he had bad luck. And, I mean, uh, you know, Guero, in most cases, I know he's had a little bad luck recently, but in most cases he scores that penalty. Um, and then you're talking about nine points versus 13, right? Not that much. Uh, not, a, not a massive backfire. Had a couple of chances where he could have converted. Um, the underlying stats issue or the discussion around it reminds me of an interview I once read with uh, Chris Ferguson. Do you remember him? He was a poker player. He like wore the hat and had long hair. And, um, so anyway, a poker player that wore a hat. The Jesus. I think that is Jesus. He had some nickname like that. I can't remember. Okay. Uh, he was very big, like when the poker boom started. But anyway, he was he was like he had a you know, like a PhD in mathematics or something. Like that. He was very you know came from you know the the sort of data world. This is kind of before that you know pre Moneyball era, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, and he was like, well, listen, he's like, for me, stats are they're just they're like I don't tr- you know it's like this is the only thing I can trust, and you know it's like if you can play on feel and trust yourself then that's that's great but for me i need this like i you know i don't know how to play if i don't have this and um so it's almost like underlying stats and fantasy are useful if you really believe in them <laughs> you know it's like it's like a it's like a monster under the bed you know it's only it's only real <laughs> if you believe in it brandon you know yeah. it's like if you can if you trust them and you put your faith in them and you really rely on them then they can help you. But if you don't really care about them and you selectively, and I don't mean to pick on Charlie here because I mean, you know, he's just talking about one instance, but, you know, if you sort of pick and choose um, the stats that you want to believe and the stats that you don't want to believe and you ultimately think the whole thing is kind of rubbish, then stats are not going to be helpful for you. And they're going to be, so they're going to be overrated in the sense that they're not going to make you better because you're, you're only going to use them to further what you already think. You know, yeah. so I think what you were yeah. saying there about this uh, hat wearing poker player uh, was right in that <laughs> yeah. he he relies on stats, yet he has a Ph.D. in mathematics. He is equipped to wield stats as a weapon. And I think so many of us out there, FPL or just being a sports fan, generally uh, baseball fans are way into this stuff more than um, more than uh, football, soccer fans are looking at the numbers. But you know, there there is all this data there at our disposal. Do we really know how to use it and to wield it to um, to our advantage? And yeah, I think you're right to kind of be careful to approach these stats with caution and make sure it's not just used for confirmation bias. I will say for my personal, for myself, I, I sort of have two answers here. One is that I trust stats a lot more than I ever have before, and. I mean, partially is like I, I use it through the filter. I like I filter it through the bookies odds, right? Because they're the ones who look at stats, right? And then they process it out and share it with us. You know, like if the bookies give whomever, you know, Harry Kane the best chance of being the goal scorer this upcoming weekend, that's because they've done the numbers. They've looked at them and they've sort of put spit it out in a way that my brain can wrap my head around, you know? Like I can't just look at XG data and – and use that as a determining factor for my transfers. I just don't have that kind of brain. I mean, I can look at it a little bit because um, it's useful to see who's been incredibly lucky or incredibly unlucky, but it's never going to really drive my decisions. And I also feel I'm slightly overwhelmed by stats. I mean, the, the, the kind of the rise of stats in fantasy and 
if you're on Twitter, you know, right now and you're you're engaging people in fantasy, it is like a deluge of statistics. And I I honestly find it kind of overwhelming sometimes. And there's so much, and a lot of it's contradictory, and it's it, it's I don't I don't I don't think it is very helpful for a lot of people. I think it's too much information, and yeah. you know, there's sort of you end up just sort of picking what you already thought to begin with. Stats are evolving too. Like in real time, the Stats Bomb guys, they have their own podcast. If you go to their website, Stats Bomb, they introduced this new metric that was fascinating. It was uh, this past summer called Pressure. So it's one thing to measure somebody's completed passes, but uh, add in this metric of pressure, passes made or received under pressure. And, and then that would tell you how well a player actually functions in a crowded midfield or in a certain scenario context being so important to a lot of these stats for me personally if i'm looking at stats i find them most helpful when i'm comparing one player's particular stat mm. to another player's particular stat and then that yeah. is a way to help you contextualize how to read that it's like your instincts have told you you want player a player b or player c or whatever and then you start looking at the stats i think that mm-hmm. i think that makes sense um, all right, good. Uh, <laughs> we're doing some some big questions this week in this podcast, Brandon. Uh, this is the final true or false question. True or false, Brandon? There are no good midfielders under six million. Ah, <laughs> uh, is this going to be another true answer for me? Um, it's really really tough out there for under six million. You look at Triore; he's five point nine, but and he was absolutely the flavor of the month going into game week 26. Mm-hmm. And it's two consecutive weeks, him coming off of his shoulder in, in injury that he hasn't started. Now we really have to start questioning him. Mason Mount jumped out at me. Mm-hmm. He's gotten minutes again. He had uh, his match um, against, uh, let's see, who was it that he recently got his two assists against Leicester? Two assists. So he's finally getting starts. Uh, I guess he did come in one of those matches because of an injury. Anyway, he's 6.1. He doesn't fall into this category, unfortunately. (laughs) Close enough, though. Close enough. (laughs) Uh, But then you just get into the the Flex and the Moutinhas and the Daniel James of this world, and um, it's a crapshoot. So I guess the way I would frame it is maybe it's false, but the problem from an FPL's standpoint is you have to adjust your expectations as to what you want from this particular player or what you're going to what you should expect to get from them. Yeah. You're not going to get returns from a sub 6 million defender every week. It's just not going to happen. Whatever yeah. Todd Cantwell was doing during periods of the season was amazing. The fact that we yeah. had to debate whether <clears> or not <throat> to start him is in some ways unprecedented. So I think that kind of twists the the narrative in our mind. Yeah. I, 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 so we now I, I see how. Have... Yeah, I, I, no, I, I was just going to agree with you. Yeah, I mean, I think we now realize how lucky we were to have any moment where a four point five player was a reliable fantasy asset. You know, it's pretty pretty mm-hmm. rare. Yeah, definitely. So, who are going to be the sub six million man uh, midfielders that? emerge through the end of the season well you know one will emerge one week and another will emerge a week after that and it's going to drive us all crazy 
Yeah, I mean, I think the reason that, you know, so Van Dyke's to watch out for asked about the best mid-priced Grealish replacements. Um, I think that's on a lot of people's mind because a lot of people are in a position where they've got maybe a couple of Sheffield assets, uh, Kevin De Bruyne, and Grealish is the one who kind of has to go, you know, because there's just no um, – there's, you know, you just you because they want to field a full eleven this week, you know, and somebody's got to go, and he's kind of the easiest one, sacrificial lamb, as it were. So, looking just at twenty eight, and maybe like you know the nine and twenty nine as well. Uh, you know, Harvey Barnes is an interesting one. He uh, was benched for this match, but then he came on and played really well. I thought. Now, did you think he? I think it was a halftime sub, wasn't he? Or it's early in the yeah. second half. Yes, he was, and it's strange that it's not strange. It's just a fact that Barnes has kind of sucked up all that Iosi Perez energy from mm-hmm. Leicester, and now he's the guy. And he does look great. I mean, he you go back to game week 23, and he scored three matches in three game weeks 23 through 25. Yep. Uh, he can produce, and the Norwich fixture is very appealing. If he was rested in game week 26, maybe you'd peg him to definitely start against Norwich, and I'd feel great uh, with him going into game week 28. Yeah, I think he's a really – like a, like someone that you could absolutely consider. And in fact, if I only use one transfer this game week, um, I may use that transfer on, on Harvey Barnes. I think that the context is important here. I think that they – um, I think there was initial thought, well, maybe, you know, they're going up against Man City. Man City might – you know, just steamroll them. They might need a little, you know, to be a little more solid. Um, and they don't, you know, maybe Herbert is a young player. Maybe they just were worried that he was going to make a mistake. And then they sort of brought him on in the second half when they realized that they could, you know, they had a chance. I, I honestly don't know. I mean, I'm not sure why he didn't start that match, but I, I think that if that was a normal match against a mid table side, I think he would, he would have started it. So, um, yeah, I'm with you. I think that he is, he's definitely an option. He's available. He's at exactly 6 million. Um, I think uh, McNeil is another player. Uh, who I've been banging on about for a couple of years now, Dwight McNeil, and has not had a did not really build on last season in a way that I thought he might. Um, he had three goals and four assists last season. He started off at four point five million, um, got two goals and six assists on the season so far. So not exactly a, a flop. Um, I mean, you know, I guess that would project out to something like what three goals and nine assists or something like that, which is not a bad return for a five point five million player. Um, I guess he's actually six. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I think McNeil's problem is they just grossly overpriced him to start the season. Yeah, I'm with you. He would have been a fun player to, particularly when Burnley were in better attacking form earlier in the season. But yeah, yeah. There it is. I think I think you're right. I think I think at six million, he's just it, just it feels a little too expensive. But as a short term punt, like if you were, um, if you just want to be different, you know, and you're maybe a little bit worried about Harvey Barnes you know, whether he was going to start or not. Um, McNeil has a, a pretty good game week 28 fixture away to Newcastle. Uh, game week 29, they're home to Spurs, which isn't great. Uh, they play away to Man City in game week 30. It's not like his form is so incredible that he's like fixture proof all of a sudden either. This is uh, his first attack in returns since game week 12 uh, uh, came wow. today. So Anybody else though? I mean, Saint Saint Maximum. I know you're a huge fan of Saint Maximum. <laughs> um, um, anybody yeah, else? You know, it, part of my mini meltdown that you pointed out at the start of the podcast really revolved around Newcastle and my just like newfound revulsion for <laughs> that team. Uh huh. So, um, 
I mean, okay, the the other rule of look at your FPL team and like how many players from bad teams do you see that you have? And um, while Almiron and St. Maximin are interesting players sort of in a vacuum, I'm, I'm just really troubled by the form that Newcastle is in right now. Uh, pretty, pretty woeful. Yeah, pretty, pretty waffle attacking form. I still kind of trust them to keep some clean sheets at home. Um, I still plan to start ourselves uh, for some of these home matches. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I, I don't really have a strong compulsion. I mean, I, I've, I guess got, the, a, I've oh. got a crazy one for you. How yeah, about Jao Moutinho at 5.4? I mean, I do think that he has been a little underreported this season with seven assists he does have one goal but he is the heartbeat of that midfield for wolves and you know to go for a 5.4 midfielder who you know it's not far to stretch to get to Traore at 5.9 but we've got these these concerns about Traore maybe being really slowly brought back into the squad after a shoulder injury or just become a new tactic of Nuno's but I think Martinez is an interesting one. Yeah, I think that's a that's a really good shout. I mean, yeah, we haven't really talked about Traore, and I think the reason why is it's, it's I just don't really know what to think anymore. I mean, I was really seriously thinking about bringing him in for for this upcoming game week, and now I okay, uh, yeah, so maybe he's getting his minutes managed uh, because of the shoulder injury, but who's to say that doesn't linger for a few more weeks? Um, you know, if it's, if it's, if it's something that like, you know, I, I don't really, I don't actually know exactly what the issue is. Like if it's dislocated, it keeps popping out or something, but like if, if it's any kind of nagging injury, then it may take a long while before you can really trust him to start every week. And, um, I just don't want, I, yeah, I don't want that kind of player in my team where I just don't know if they're going to start any, any particular game week. And so, um, I'd like to at least see him start the away game to Spurs before I really, considered it i mean because it'll be a good test because they'll play in the europa league in midweek um presumably he's in line to start that now right if he was benched um Mm -hmm. if he was benched today and so if he if he plays that and then he gets benched again away to spurs at the weekend then you might have to worry a little bit i mean the rise of diogo jota i guess is really um we couldn't quite fit him into the discussion for this week's podcast but you know he at 6.1 million Another interesting option. Obviously, he's a forward, not a midfielder. But does that? Do you think Jota hurts Traore a little bit? Yeah, I think he does. Um, I really do. I do think he he kind of changes the trajectory of that attack. With Jota playing off of Jimenez, they can be more direct. I think they can play more through the middle if they want to. And Traore is obviously out wide. It's 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 wild. It's a dilemma. It is a it is a dilemma. So yeah, I I don't really um, I guess yeah I, I, maybe Moutinho is the safest one. I mean I uh, I guess Ruben Neves is like playing with something to prove right now too. So maybe maybe Neves even cheaper five point five point two million. Um, yeah, I mean only two goals and one assist in the season though. Not exactly the heartbeat of the team the way. Yeah, um, but the, the, the goals that he'll score for you will be uh, amazing. So beautiful. Almost had a great one today. I don't know if you saw that. It was an incredible I did, save. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I did. Yeah. All right, Brian, that's been true or false. Uh, I kind of enjoyed that. I thought that was kind of fun. True. Yes, true. I also like this segment. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll get back with a short lightning round. All right, Brandon, lightning round. And uh, we've got some we've got some fun ones here. Uh, let's... These some of these we could go on for a long time, but um, I, I think that let's just let's just treat them true lightning round style and 
and accept that these are debates that can continue elsewhere. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. The first one is, is kind of a, a little bit of a rant, but I, I, it's something I've thought about before too. And so I thought I'd post it down here. Um, Jeff Petter, longtime supporter of the podcast says, should you be happy allowed whatever to celebrate your scores on social media? I'm bored of seeing things like, Oh, thanks for showing off your score. And I'm doing crap or be classy. FPL can affect mental health. When wow. did it become not okay to celebrate your score in a game that's all caps that we play for fun, for and fun, <laughs> both all caps as well? Yeah, Brandon, score <laughs> celebrations. What do you think? Yeah. Pro. Well, con? I think score celebrations among friends who you know. So I know you. Maybe you'll be happy for me. Maybe you won't. I I know how you'll react. That's. That's life. When you get into Twitter and social media, anything goes. Like you yeah. have every right, Jeff, to celebrate. But you know there are a bunch of crazy people on Twitter, and <laughs> they have the right to yell at you for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm 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 ashamed to admit they have every right to yell at you, and yeah. that's just kind of the deal that you make when you go onto a site like Twitter. And right. you know, I'm, it, it sucks. I wish that everyone was cool. And we could all be happy, but um, Brandon, how could you and I be cool if everyone was cool? You know, this is really the, the great, the great dilemma. Yeah, well, this is they they built an entire Star Wars franchise around this whole notion of bringing balance to the Force. Yeah. So, Jeff, you know, you you introduce one uh, action into the Twitterverse, mm -hmm. and there has to be an equal opposite reaction and, and response. So, it yeah. just means that everything's working. You just, I think the trick is you have to understand, Jeff, just how incredibly insincere these people are when they say things like be classy, FPL can affect mental health. They, they are not making a, a heartfelt stance in favor of something. They are, they are just trying to needle you or they feel bad about themselves and they are, they're, they're, you know, sort of deflecting that by by coming at you and so uh what is my point here i don't know just that like if you know what they're doing i feel like it's easier not to take it seriously because mm -hmm. I, I mean for me i have become a i'm an instant i instant mute all the time and uh i block a lot more than i used to as well just straight up block people mm -hmm. um if they if i just feel like their their whole point is just to stir things up and make people feel bad. Um, that's just, I just block them and just keep them completely out of my, out of my feed. And I think that, um, I think, yeah, just be more aggressive with the muting and those people, there aren't that many. It feels like a lot, but once you go on a real muting spree, um, you'll be surprised how much more you enjoy your, your social media feed. I tell you what, Josh, this is what I love about the always cheating slack that is available to our Patreon members. Is yes. It's like going into a social media platform where all the bad people are blocked or muted and it's just actually people having fun and encouraging one another. And, you know, whether it's an R Slack or you find your own community like that, I think it's cool. And I think that's an idea to just kind of seek out a place where you're among friends, yeah. whether it's in real life or on a social platform. Yeah. Twitter is bad, basically, you know. Like it's fun, but it's also kind of bad, you know, so yeah. fine. <laughs> Try to get away from Twitter. That's like, that's, well, it, we just I say mean, that at the beginning, of every, at the beginning and end of every podcast. To be real and sincere about the whole mental health aspect of this, if being on Twitter is 
actually causing you to get upset, then don't do it. Get get away from it. Go somewhere where you will be happy and at ease because that's yeah, important. Totally. I mean, I, I'm not like deriding the mental health thing. It's just that there are certain trolls on Twitter who weaponize that word. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, and yeah, use it. You. Yeah, and use it to to try to get under your skin. So that's totally. That, that's specifically what I'm referring to there. All right. Next question. FPL King says, if you had one transfer to make it going into the blank, that is to say blank game week 28, who would it be? Who on paper is the ultimate pick? All right. I like this idea. So let's just say that you had, um, I don't know, one spot anywhere in your team that you could fill with anybody you wanted. Who's the one player that you would pick for game week 28? Yeah. I wonder if it's Virgil van Dyke for me. Um, it's a, it's an oddball list of fixtures and Liverpool away Watford. That's an interesting fixture. I'm, I'm Mm -hmm. covered with Liverpool attack. I I mean, I had to drop one of my three Liverpool players, but that's definitely one. All the appealing fixtures here are away. Uh, Yeah. You look at Leicester is away Norwich. Danny Ings, he's an interesting one, also away, but Southampton kind of prefer to play away from St. Mary's at the moment. I don't know. Yeah. I'm 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 floundering here. What do you think? <laughs> well, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you know, Harvey Barnes is actually somebody who kind of stands out for me. Um, I think he's very likely to start uh in the away match to Norwich. Um, I think that that's probably the best fixture um uh, for 28, you know, like the uh, the one that's like the the best for for an attacking team. Uh, I mean, you know, Newcastle hosts Burnley. I don't want anyone from Newcastle. West Ham hosts Southampton. I don't want anyone from West Ham. From West Ham. Um, I've already got three Liverpool players. Um, I mean, I, I guess I'm talking about my own team here a little bit, but I mean, I don't know, maybe Danny Ings if I didn't have him. Um, I don't really want anyone from Brighton. Um, what about Tammy Abraham, Josh, who yeah. looks like he's back. He subbed on against yeah. Spurs and they're really- playing Bournemouth. That is, that's a good one. I, I worry about those lingering injuries, you know, like he was supposed to be ready for a while and I like, is he still, can he go the full 90 yet? You know, I, well, how about, how about, uh, Bergwijn? Yeah. Spurs host Wolves. I mean, Wolves uh-huh. defense has been pretty solid recently, but, um, I feel like he's due, um, some, you know, some more attacking returns. He's been playing out of position as a forward a little bit. I think, uh, he might be one to consider. Yeah, and Wolves will probably be run pretty ragged, the defense especially, which doesn't have as much rotation as some other parts of the squad. They'll be playing Thursday night against Espanyol away from home and then another away match at the new White Hart Lane. So that's I like that. I like yeah. that pick. Good week to wait until the end of the week to make your transfers mm-hmm. um, or you know, Friday. Though There's a reminder that it's a Friday kickoff this week. Um, all right. So yeah, Bergwijn is our, our collaborative answer there, FPL King. Uh, Benno says, who are the top three players on your target list? So I guess it's kind of the same question, but just, you know, Brian, you're, you're set to wild card, I guess, in game week 29. So who are a couple of players that you don't have in your squad already that you'd think about bringing in a wild card? I guess you already mentioned Virgil van Dyke as a possible option. Yeah, I want to reshape my Liverpool investment and probably drop Mane and go double Liverpool defense. So Van Dyke would be one. Aubameyang is just running away with it at the moment. And Arsenal's fixtures after they blank in game week 28 are 
ridiculously good with West Ham, Brighton, Southampton, Norwich through game week 32. Lots of captainable fixtures. Going back to that conversation we were having about chasing league leaders, I think he's just he's the perfect differential when you're going against the Liverpool captainers in your mini league. Mm-hmm. And Jimenez, we, Diego, Yo, Diego Yota, Diego Jota has been in incredible form, but we just can't forget about how Raul is the main man. He is the central attacker. He still scored uh, even in the midst of this great run from Jota. I thought he looked dangerous, just a few kind of unlucky bounces of the ball. He'll be there, and he'll score points for you. Yep. So those are my three picks, VVD, Jimenez, and Aubameyang. Yeah, those are good picks, and uh, I'm not even going to make any because I I didn't have a ready-made answer. So uh, let's move on to the next question. Uh, Luke says, how do you know when to let go of a player? Recurring theme this week, Brennan. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's been a few times this season where I've held on too long. You list uh, Mount, Pookie, and Vardy. Oh, Pookie, me too. Me too, Luke. Mm -hmm. Uh, And now I'm wondering how to know in future seasons when to let go after a hot streak of form. So, Brendan, just to frame this question, because we, we've talked about this a fair amount already in this week's podcast, but I remember you wildcarded in Game Week 4, I believe. Maybe it was Game Week 5, something like that. And on that wildcard, you did not bring in Timu Pukki. And you were um, like the like you were like one of seven managers in fantasy who didn't <laughs> who did bring in Timu Pukki. Uh-huh. And it hurt you for one Game Week, and then it was like a sea of two-pointers for the next – you know, month and a half or whatever. And so do you, if you can like go back that far in your brain, like why didn't you bring him in? What was your thinking? Well, it's a level of trust in your own instincts. And in addition to trust, it's like if the wild card kind of screws up this, um, the way I want to frame it, but it's a, you, you can't get rid of a player until you have another player who you want to bring in to substitute. So it's like not, you can't focus on, all right, Timu Puki, um, he needs to go out no matter what. And I'll just Mm -hmm. bring any old striker in for him. Ideally you, you see another player that you want. And then that's when you offload the, the lowest performing asset in that position. Yeah. Um, I like that. That's a more positive way to frame it. (laughs) Well, and and I guess another way to say it is it's okay to be afraid. (laughs) (laughs) In in what way? What do you you mean by that? So particularly with attacking players, they – and a guy like Pookie. So, you know, he scored hat tricks very early in the season. He looked deadly every single match. He can hurt you. If you don't have him, he can hurt you, and that's terrifying. So then the idea of going without him feels scary. And is that really how you want to feel when you wake up on a Saturday morning? Probably not. Right. But you just kind of have to accept the fact that, you know, you will be afraid at many points during the right. season and just roll with that. Yeah, that's a, I think that's a good way to think about it. You can't, and it's, it's so negative, right? Like, it's not like you, it's not like everyone else is fielding this player and you're fielding nobody. Right. Like you have decided to invest in somebody else, you know, and you trust that they're going to outperform the player that you don't have. And, um, you know, I think that that's a more positive spin on the like, I'm afraid I have to have that player uh, way of thinking. All right. Last question. Uh, for, this is a question for me, Brandon. There was a question for okay. you, and here's a question for me. Uh, Ryan Hemming says For those who banked their free transfer in game week 27, uh, 
I guess this even applied to anybody banked going into the game week 28 or 29 as well. Um, do you use your free transfers to navigate towards game week 31? So this is a question looking much further ahead now, but game week 31 is a FA Cup weekend. Um, any team that's still in it and any team that plays a team that's still in it will likely not have a fixture. Um, I think that it's the way it works out. There's, I think there's European matches the midweek after that, so there's no chance of, uh, of of replays happening that game week. So you're just going to end up having something like, you know, who knows, somewhere between like four and six total fixtures that game week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right now it's there could be just the only two fixtures guaranteed for 31 are Wolves, Bournemouth, and Burnley, Watford. Right. And, uh, it's 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 going to be a very tricky game week, and the big debate will be: Do you play your free hit chip in game week 31? to field a full squad as opposed to just bringing in a bunch of born with Burnley Watford Wolves players to yeah. field the full team. And then you have to wild card out of that. A lot of people seem to, there, there's been a growing movement to use your transfers to prepare for gaming 31, but a lot of it hinges on Liverpool losing away to Chelsea uh, in the FA cup and Brandon, I don't think that's going to happen. I just, I don't buy it. I think that Liverpool are going to beat Chelsea and and then you're going to want a free hit in game week 31 if you still have yeah. your free hit chip because uh, you're not going to have those three top players. And I don't, I mean, some of the fixtures that are, I, I guess it's just, it's just hard to say, really. I mean, it just depends on what, what happens. But yeah, loading up on crummy players because you know they've got a fixture, that's just not anything I find to be a good strategy. Like, I mean, what you like burn a bunch of transfers and you bring a players are going to get you two points that game week. Like you'd be better off just using transfers on players who are good and, and then just taking a zero, you know, in game week 31, if that's how you want to play it. Right. It's probably a wash at worst to play yeah. it that way. And then you're yep. better set up for the home stretch. I totally agree. All right, Brandon. So that is the end of lightning round game week. 28 as noted before kicks off on Friday, Norwich Lester. That's a fun Friday match. Um, yeah, so do, we don't have any Man City uh, this weekend. And I guess the big question is, would you consider captaining a non-Liverpool player for Game Week 28? Would you consider a Vardy away to Norwich? Um, no, I wouldn't. Uh, I I suppose I could see Jamie Vardy being an interesting differential, but we don't have much form to base that on. So it's just a, a hopeful shot in the dark, the Vardy captaincy. So yeah. if you choose to do that, I salute you, um, and I ain't mad at you. <laughs> um, anything else notable about this weekend and any fixtures? Or, you noted before that it's kind of a funny game week, a lot of mid-table clashes. Uh, um, I don't know. I think it's uh, it's kind of fun. I mean, it's, it's like a weekend for the uh, – it's it's a weekend for the fantasy manager, not necessarily mm-hmm. a weekend for the for the Premier League fan. Yeah, definitely. I think the Everton Manchester United match on Sunday is well, Sunday is kind of a super Sunday. I think both of these matchups are great. Everton kind of in form, I guess you would say. Manchester mm-hmm. United also kind of in form. And we'll learn a lot from this match, I think. And then Spurs Wolverhampton um equally sort of captivating for for those same reasons yeah well then you've got the uh league cup final too which is kind of fun right man city uh, aston villa that's kind of a fun match too absolutely jack Grealish will finally get to lift that silverware what a dream come true for him 
Um, what else? This is like the last thing Aston Villa needs to be worrying about. I mean, I guess <laughs> I know it, it's not an FA Cup run at least, right? It's like win this and then go out there and lose any whoever whoever you're playing. Just like feel the Jurgen Klopp during the holiday international during the winter break yeah, right, type team, right. you know? Yeah. What's really interesting to me about game week 28 is I don't have a goalkeeper, so that's kind of a big problem for me. Sheffield <laughs> United are blanking, so yeah. uh, that that was a boo-boo that I made a couple of weeks ago, and I'm going to have to deal with that. I don't... Were you just really like, confident my, you were going to wild card in 27? Is that the Was that what happened, or... It was just... We've all been there, Josh. Yeah. It was... It, the the price changes were about to happen. Matt Ryan was looking like he was going down while Henderson was going up. And I just didn't really map it out and thought, you know what? I need to be – it was me trying to be a better manager, right? Trying to be a little more active. Right, right. So planning is everything, guys. Uh, figure it out. So uh, I'm – yeah, you know, I like the talk of um, I like the talk of Harvey Barnes, and boy, I'd like to make that uh, transfer in for Grealish. But now you're looking at burning four just to do that, plus a goalkeeper. But hey, <laughs> how about I just go without a goalkeeper? How magic that, would that be? I actually think that, that might be the move. I mean, who's your, who's your backup keeper? Uh, his name is I have to bring it up. Um, <laughs> his name is Will Norris. Will is, Norris, uh, right? Yeah, he's, the he's on loan for, at uh, Ipswich. Yeah, he's oh, he's on loan at Ipswich. Okay, yeah. I thought is he is he a is he a Norwich player? I don't can't remember. Yeah, he's a Wolves backup. Wolves backup, right? Um, yeah, that's a good. Well, I mean, okay, I, I guess. Are you fielding a full eleven if outside of your keeper? Like, do you have uh, what's your? Team I have like I have I technically have a full eleven if Mason Greenwood could play in goal. That would be fantastic. Um, but he can't. <laughs> yeah. So I actually have um, one player on the bench who could play, but yeah. no goalkeeper. Right. Yeah, that's a, that's a tricky so one. It, yeah, it's, it it would be stupid of me to to uh, to uh, not have a goalkeeper to burn a transfer on another outfield player. I think so. Just yeah. Thinking. Yeah. Um, I think. Uh, yeah, I, so what key, who are you looking at? Who's your uh, who's your possible McCarthy. McCarthy, McCarthy at Southampton. Yeah. That makes you, sense. Yeah. Uh, Southampton are away West Ham. Uh, okay, the other the other thing is um I could I could bring in anyone I wanted, right? Because I'm probably I'm almost certainly wild carding after this game week deadline. Right. But I can only afford a 4.5 def, uh goalkeeper, so that limits to me to either Pepe Reina who mm-hmm. doesn't play? Yeah, well, you <laughs> or know, McCarthy. If you're, if you're wild carding, I, I mean, I would probably just burn four and turn Grealish into somebody, and then maybe, and then maybe bring in a, a like a, I don't know. Uh, that's a tricky one. There's no, there's no, there's no keeper you really want. I guess is part of the problem. I mean, you know, like who do you want? Willie Caballero. You know, there's nobody who's like, like you know, McCarthy's probably still the best option, even even as, as you know, the cheapest option. You know what's absolutely hilarious and poetic justice is the goalkeeper i'd actually want is matt ryan who's <laughs> right. home hosting crystal palace i thought that too and i was like i'm not even gonna say it because i just don't want to yeah yeah but uh well what are you gonna do i don't know it's hey, like, what's it's, done is done this season is is um is wild man it is a wild ride it's been, it's been a tough one you can't look back though 
but Brandon, you can look ahead to weekly Patreon podcasts if you become a Patreon supporter. You can go to patreon.com slash always cheating to do that. I believe, Brandon, you're leading the Kitchen Table podcast this week. It should be a yeah. saucy one. I'm looking forward to uh, some a little a little extra dip on your chip on this week's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, if you want to support the podcast, say thanks for what we do. Uh, get access to our Slack message board, uh, as I mentioned before, an extra podcast each week, and lots of other good stuff. Um, go to patreon.com slash always cheating. Any little bit helps and is sincerely appreciated. We really sincerely appreciate And I... I can't say the word sincerely enough because it really does mean a lot to us. Uh, anyone who um, pledges the podcast and supports it at any level. That said, we have some pretty, uh, patron producers that we'd like to thank on this week's podcast. Brandon, can you please thank our producers? Yeah, big ups to Trevor Ingerson, Mike DiPietro, Chris Howell, Andy Penn, Chris Carter, Martin Savage, Brian T., The Big Gaffer, Bob Kuhn, Jeff Husby, Ben Grant, James Holland, Jazz Binning, Dave Wagner, Lodal, Nick Wright, Jim Payne. Brian Chin, Blair Jacobson, Frederick Keen Gransky, Travis West, Alan Creasy, Victor Forberg Skoging, Paul Herzig, Kaya Christine Lelang, Stian Niehaus, Barry McGuire, Peter Bodectel, Andy Portlock, Toothless Gibbon, Andy Martin, Lindsay Rostel, Anton Markov, FPLmerch.com, and James Conroy. And listen, if Patreon is not your bag, you can also help the Always Cheating Podcast by giving us a review or a rating wherever you subscribe to Always Cheating, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Acast. We're available wherever podcasts are. And give us a follow on social media, Twitter at Hail Cheaters, Instagram at Hail Cheaters, Facebook.com slash Always Cheating. Send us an email, HailCheaters at gmail.com. And our website has all this information and so much more, so much, including the Always Cheating shop. Josh, I've been I've been tinkering around with some new merch that Ooh. maybe we can maybe we can preview at our London meetup on March sixth. Oh, that's a great idea, and that yeah. that meetup comes right before those matches too. So if you are going to any of those matches, once again, uh, Arsenal West Ham, Manchester Derby, uh, or the Leicester Aston Villa match, uh, please let us know, and we would love to, um, you know, have a beer or I don't know gin and tonic. That's kind of more my bag, but sure. let's let's do it, Brandon. Is that, is, that, is that an old person drink? I don't know. I, I, I definitely had not consumed a gin and tonic before I was 30. I'm very wary <laughs> of, of sounding like an old man on this podcast now, Brennan, but uh, well, you like what you gin, like, right? Gin is kind of a booze that's reserved for like the hard, hardcore old women, but uh... <laughs> well, fair enough. You are what you are, right? It's like it's like that. It's like that Henderson and transfers. You can't look back. <laughs> no, you just just embrace it, embrace it, and move on. <laughs> All right, Brandon. See you next week. Boku forever. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. 
for the ones who get it done.